Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. Today's guest is Captain Christopher Reyes, an Army nurse who has spent weeks preparing for the coronavirus. He talks to us about the epidemic, how we need to prepare, and what we need to do if you start showing symptoms. Thank you for following the Jesse Garcia Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Attention Familia, the 2020 census forms are arriving in your mailboxes. I just got mine this week. Make sure to fill out the form early and submit it via mail or fill out the form online or you can submit via phone. In mid-April, households that have not responded will receive reminders in the mail along with a paper questionnaire. From May through July, census takers will visit households that have not responded. Let's make their job easier by filling out this form today while we're stuck in our homes and get this wrapped up early. For more information about the process, visit 2020census.gov. To discuss the coronavirus pandemic gripping our world right now, I invited someone from our LGBTQ Latino community fighting the virus on the front lines. Christopher Reyes is a critical care nurse and a captain in the U.S. Army Nurse Corps. He has been in the U.S. Army for 12 years, serving both as a combat medic and as a nurse. Captain Reyes was born in Honolulu, Hawaii to a military family and has lived in many places. However, his family hails from El Paso, Texas. He currently lives in Washington, D.C., where he works in a pediatric intensive care unit. Captain Reyes obtained both his Bachelor of Science in Nursing and Master's of Science in Nursing from the University of Texas at El Paso. The captain has held various clinical nursing roles to include assistant head nurse, nursing instructor, and head nurse of a military field hospital's intensive care unit. Captain Reyes is currently completing his doctorate of nursing practice at Johns Hopkins University School of Nursing, but his biggest challenge this spring won't be his finals. He and his fellow nurses will be preparing for thousands of Americans who will start showing symptoms of COVID-19, also known as a novel coronavirus outbreak. He joins us today to talk about the virus, how to prepare, and what to do if you start showing symptoms. I want to welcome to the show my very good friend, Captain Christopher Reyes from the U.S. Army, who is here to talk about the coronavirus. Thank you for coming on the show, Christopher. Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate this. Today is March 17th, and as of today, the virus is in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico. Our Native American communities just reported their first case today in Navajo Nation. And also around the world, we have 150,000 cases that have been um, diagnosed and 5,000 deaths. I'm sorry, 6,000 deaths. How serious is the coronavirus compared to other flus that we've seen in the past? Those are some startling statistics that we actually have seen out there. So taking an opportunity to kind of talk about what this means for the global population, and just our population in general, I think is going to really um, help us understand how to, as we've been talking about, flattening that curve. Um, 
So I guess for starters to say, um, so the influenza or the flu that we know as the common flu, um, it actually has a very interesting like uh, common pattern. We know what it is. Um, we actually have a vaccine for it, so we've established herd immunity amongst it. But coronavirus, also now known as novel or new coronavirus, this is something that has never been in the population before. So therefore, as a result, we don't need no vaccine. No vaccine. We do not have a vaccine for it. I know that we're currently in the process of trying to make a vaccine, but even in general, vaccines take a long time to get through the a system. whole year. Yes. The first case, uh, the first case, the first trial just happened yesterday in Washington State. And we're happy that that's taking place, but it's going to take a whole year for this to come through. Yep. Yep. So it's going to be a while before we even start to see that as an option for uh, prevention or treatment in this space. So, um, but let's kind of kind of talk about how severe it is or how bad it is, right? So I think about this in this instance. Um, you just gave the statistics. Those stats are pretty startling. Um, this social distancing, distancing that we're doing is actually meant to help flatten the curve or to help reduce the severity. When everybody it talks about everybody talks about this curve, what it is is the impact where people are going to get so sick that they're going to be having to go to the hospitals. Mm -hmm. It's like this big, massive amount of people. What we want to do is sort of like make that less of an impact and spread it out throughout. <laughs> yeah, the author of the whole year. Rather than having this major peak and overwhelming the hospital system. That's correct. Yeah, so actually those are the two things that we learned from it. That curve. Um, first one is how fast it's going to spread. Um, and what we do is we take that curve and apply it onto a, a chart, and it's going to tell us the capacity and of the healthcare system. And if that curve goes above the healthcare capacity, then hospitals are black; they can't provide services for anybody. And so, Dr. Fauci, which was the um, who is the the doctor that just recently had that conversation from um, the Center for Disease Control, who's the lead on this yep. nationwide effort, he was the one who kind of described like um, flattening that curve and establishing that like social distancing concept. So this is why like cities are shutting down. Bro, that's why I cannot get uh tissue paper to wipe yeah. my butt. <laughs> did you bring your did you bring some? Yeah, I had to go. I've already been to the grocery store at least three times this week. Not going to hoard stuff, just to get little by little. Yes. Because I'm so glad it, you said that because yeah. we need to be able to um, ration appropriately so that everybody has the opportunity to acquire the necessary items that they need to stay healthy. Especially the older folks. Yes. I'm so happy that the stores are now uh, setting aside times in the mornings specifically for older folks so they won't be overrun by the younger folks. Right. And plus they need that distance away from people who might have it because people that are over 60 are going to get hit harder. They are. In fact, so much so that um, the, the devastating impact of COVID for older population suggests that there's going to be a 15% uh, mortality rate amongst that group. That's actually really high. So when I think about that, if we put that into numbers, if you know 100 elderly people, 15 of those won't be around anymore as a result of COVID. That's a scary thought. It's a very scary thought. There's part, I mean, they've been asking us to stay home from work, and I've had the the i've been out i'm on day two of working from home and i've wanted almost just like if we're not going to be able to do anything we're going to be stuck at home for the next month i'm thinking of just maybe just going home to texas to visit my mom but i'm thinking what if i put her in danger she's almost 80 and i don't want to bring something to her that i pick up along the way going through a, an airport 
it's best just to stay home, correct? That's correct. And, and you know, you put that right. And in fact, I recently just had that conversation with my mom as well, where I was like, hey, mom, I'm supposed to go home. So I'm from El Paso, Texas. Yay, El Paso. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm supposed to be going home in April to go visit my whole family, including my sick and elderly grandmother. Now I'm kind of having concerns or second thoughts about that. Should I stay home and not even traverse through like the, the nasty like airports and then through the air, like sitting in that airplane? What if I bring it home? It's not worth it. No. So I'm curious, the children, why haven't they, are they catching it? Oh, yeah. Because you hear about all these adults and stuff like that, but the babies, the young children. The young, yep. I like that. So um, interestingly enough, the American Academy of Pediatrics um, just published an article yesterday that talks about this, right? And talks about how, how COVID-19 less severe in children than adults and then why. Um, there's a lot of like thoughts about why that's happening. And I want to kind of put this in like some pretty easy terms to understand, which is um, one of the reasons why we have to get a flu shot every single year is because the antibodies that you make to fight the flu is only good for about a year. Yeah. Um, so that's why we constantly have to be re-immunized. Now, children are constantly like um, bombarded with viruses. So their bodies are already primed to fight the virus. Wow. And if they do get it, it's going to be like less severe. Um, but be the Because their immune system is amped up. It's, it's ready. ready to fight. Yep. It's been fighting every day. That's right. And so, um, but one of the concerns with this, with the children, is that um, they have the potential to be vectors where they can then pass it on to grandma and to, you know, my tia and tati and all of them. So we have to think about how we are going to be containing those children, teaching them how to wash their hands, because, you know, children know how to wash their hands. Oh, my God. Um, you tell me... I work in a public health agency for the U.S. government, and we have been, one of the things that we do, I work in food safety, and we talk about how hand washing is central to keeping pathogens away from your food that you prepare. Mm -hmm. Now, I read this study that we, my agency did on thermometer use. We're just looking at how people prepare their foods if they're using a thermometer. When they were looking at these people, these group of people that were being studied, they noticed that only one-third of them were washing their hands, attempting to wash their hands while preparing raw meat. Like, you touch chicken, and then you grab this from the spice rack, and guess what? You're not washing your hand before you touch that spice rack, and you got salmonella going everywhere, you know? Yes. And only out of those one-third of those people that did try to wash their hands, only 2% of them, less than 3%, did, did it correctly. 20 seconds of washing and rubbing your hands for 20 seconds with yeah. soap and then rinsing off. Yep. You know, it's just amazing how that's just not a thing that we do. When we go wash our hands, we just put our hands over under the water, maybe for five seconds, try to scrub some soap in there. But it has to be a 20-second process. 20 seconds. Like, sing your ABCs, bust out your favorite Madonna song, turn on uh, Bubble Guppies for the kids. But 20 seconds, stand at that uh, sink and get it done because... Um, that's the only way that you're going to wash all that viral pathogens that are currently sitting on your hand. And this virus, we're still, it's still in debate where how long it's in the air on surfaces. They said, I was listening to CNN today that the, the actual virus could stay alive on a surface for three days. Yep. Now, some of the things that we have to look, um, 
that we need to talk about is what a person experiences when they get infected. Yeah. Right now, what we know is fear, uh, fever, cough, and shortness of breath. Yep. What should people do if they get exposed and they have it? Okay, so um, I love that because recognizing those symptoms are going to be a mainstay for when to stay home. That's like the first thing that you should do. Stay home. Um, you don't want to continue to transmit this everywhere. Um, you want to monitor your symptoms carefully. So um, if you're starting to notice that you're having more trouble breathing, your fever is higher and it's not controlled with medication like Tylenol or ibuprofen, it's time to go and see somebody. But in the meantime, if you're able to manage your symptoms at home, stay at home. Get rest. Stay hydrated. Um, if you have a medical appointment, call them and let them know that you're currently symptomatic and if you should reschedule and or go to the ED. Um, call your doctor before. Yes. Just don't show up there because guess what? There's 20 other people there. That's right. Yeah. 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 The yeah. same way with the ERs. And that's what we're saying is stay home unless you're having those severe symptoms because the ERs are already backed up with just even general care. Could you imagine now on top of that, people's fears and anxieties exacerbating their need to go to the hospital and then filling up those beds? It's insane. Now, the symptoms, like I, we talked about fever, cough, and shortness of breath, they appear anywhere between 2 and 14 days after exposure. That's correct. And the, the rule is stay at home until it gets serious. If you can manage to just go through these symptoms and, and they're not as bad as others, Stay home. Mm -hmm. Listen to your mom. Please. Put some Vicks on your chest. Yes. Sana, caldo. sana, colita de, mm -hmm. yeah. de rana. <laughs> and just stay at home with your caldo. But if you get um, serious, serious symptoms that you feel like you need to go to a doctor, call before you head to the emergency room. Um, try not to go to the emergency room. Try to get your doctor. Yes. But if it's really severe, middle of the night, and you have to go to the emergency room, just know that. The CDC has says, you know, difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, persistent pain or pressure in the chest, bluish lips or face. It's time to go to the emergency room. Right. In fact, if you are looking a little blue, uh, I'd really recommend just dialing 911 at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about access. Oh, my gosh. How, how this affects certain the what dangers Disposes to certain communities. Yeah, absolutely. You had talked about the LGBT community. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, you know, we all family here. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought it was important that we started thinking about, well, how is this impacting our community? And so we looked, uh, I, lo I spent some time looking at the LGBT community and what that meant for access to care. So first of all, let me give you all some really important stats here. Um, smoking. If you are a smoker, you're at an increased risk for acquiring or catching COVID, whether that is cigarettes uh, or vaping. So, and you shouldn't be vaping in the first place, girl. If you have that problem, <laughs> call me, let me tell you. But um, did you know that 50% of the general LGBT population are smokers? That's high. Yeah, that's extremely high. And so I think about half of our population might end up with COVID and in a hospital. That's a scary thought. Now, let's think about some other things that are rampant in our community. Um, HIV is really high in the LGBT community, and so is cancers, which makes you immunocompromised. That places you at in an increased risk for developing COVID. So we have to think about how that's hurting us. Now, 
We also have health disparities in the LGBT community. For such a long time, we've had a problem with accessing care for fear of discrimination that we just don't go. We don't go see the doctor. Um, doctors don't necessarily know how to care for LGBT folks unless we're going to a specific uh, LGBT-focused clinic. Um, and so as a result, like um, these health disparities are really going to help uh, push COVID further within our community. And then like lastly, um, which I think is important. So just as a note, um, COVID-19 has a 15% mortality rate amongst the, the elderly community. So 60 and above. That is massive. And we mentioned that earlier. But what I wanted to know or talk about was that 3 million LGBT um, older population is in the United States who have a fear of accessing safety nets, like going to senior citizen centers, calling for Meals on Wheels programs, or even just accessing opportunities to say, hey, I'm here, please take care of me. They're not they, doing it. They don't want to go into the closet. They don't want to be discriminated. And they just want to be, you know, treated norm yeah. normally. And it, it's just very hard to try to change your life to go, you know, access some service mm -hmm. from some community that may center the world you may be looked down upon yeah and not even provided the same access or quality of care that you would receive had you gone to maybe an lgbt focus clinic but if it's not available in your area what do you do exactly and then i think about like the next step which is our next community because we're all like in at least in for you and i we're latinos yes and so in the latino community this also can potentially be a problem um one of them and it's the most basic here in the united states it's language now, luckily enough, the CDC does publish in a lot of different languages, but does that necessarily mean that my abuela or your abuelo knows how to even access that information in Spanish? Maybe not. And so then they are equally left in the dark about this. The other one that I thought was interesting to learn about was undocumented uh, immigrants, which we already know is uh, con like a topic of contention in the government. And uh, But they're at extreme risk. Now, their language barrier is even greater because they're not um, native to the United States, so their English might be more limited. And the fact that they still have to be out there to earn that money to yes. survive. A lot of us get to work from home, but just today I was walking because I had to go reset my link pass to get access to my telework computer at home. And going into the office, I saw all these Latino men working as their landscape out there. We hard workers. They're hard workers. Yeah. They're working. They can't take a day off. Nope. The uh, restaurant workers are still working. They're mm -hmm. preparing takeout meals, but they're still out there. Yes. They can't take a day off. That's right. And I just feel so bad for them, especially when they don't have health care or they're working for money under the table. Mm -hmm. How are they going to get the resources to get themselves protected? Right. Or even access health care. Or be afraid that if they access health care they might be deported. That's a scary thought. So we as a community, Latino community, really need to support this group of people um, that are within our areas. Linda, reach, uh, Linda helping hand out there um, and then educate them. That's some of the things that they need to know. What are some of the ways um, that you can, best ways to protect those around you? Oh, oh yes. How to prepare. Now, yeah. I jumped right onto the CDC for this one. And so for all of us who need a little bit of visual learning, go over to the CDC website. They really are some of the best um, information out there. But let me tell you a couple of things that I know. Um, so for starters, we talked about this. Know your symptoms. Um, once you recognize what your symptoms are, you're going to stay home. That's the best way that you're going to control. Like 
Um, don't be going over to your to the quinceañeras, um, <laughs> right? No, because there's still some states that are not on lockdown. That's right. It's just the major cities. There's still communities out there that are barely on day one when we're already one week into this awareness mm-hmm. of social distancing and stuff. These there's communities around the United States that are barely going to start doing this this weekend right so we're still like we know it and yet we're still like ah we'll wait until next week but we really should be limiting um our visitors and our exposure to the community hey another one would be to take a step back to look at those high-risk individuals so if you know your abuela is already sick don't go visit her call her chat with her on the phone but don't necessarily go over there and expose her um another one is to help um like protect yourself and your family by implementing steps to prevent this illness you look, la, la casa, it's already clean, right? Your mom taught you how to clean, and if you're a good Latino, Latina, you know how to clean your house. Yeah. So clean frequently, touch surfaces, don't touch your face, um, and then create a household plan. Like have two weeks worth of prescriptions, especially in our elderly population that are at higher risk who get their medications um, you know, through like services like, like my Nino. My Nino goes and picks up my grandma's um, medication. Well, he probably also needs to have or know to pick up two weeks of additional medication. Exactly. Something happens. We were just talking about that. Um, establish ways to communicate with your family. So know how to get a hold of them. And um, stay informed about the emergency plans in your area. If your city's not on lockdown, lock yourself down. Girl, stay home. <laughs> Save some money. Yeah. What other, if you're not um, contagious, what are some other things that you can do? to support your community? So I would say that um, getting involved is going to be extremely important to the capacity that your area is allowing you to. So um, if there are, um, like here in D.C., we have the D.C. Center, which helps support a large LGBT older population. See if there is anything that you can do for them. Donations. Donations are extremely important. They're going to be big, especially as we continue to see us uh, a ravaging of Walmart. Yeah. El Gualmar ya no tiene. It's got yeah. nothing. It's kind of and cool. so like as a result, like if you know you have stuff that you can provide other people, I'd say help out. You're in the medical profession and I I even talk about this at the very beginning. Describe what you do on a daily basis. What's your work? Sure. So um so um one of the things that I'm I'm a critical care nurse uh by trait. So I've been in the army for eleven years. Um I did a critical care fellowship and so one of the things that I do is I help um work in several ICUs, uh, medical ICU, and then my specialties in pediatric ICU care. Have you handled anybody with corona? Uh, not yet. Um, we have done extensive training at the hospital, the two hospitals that I currently work at um, to make sure that we are prepared to receive these patients. Um, we haven't seen a patient just yet, but I also haven't been to work in the last three days, and yeah. I'm sure it's already started to happen. Um, and also... I'm in school, and so one of the things that we are currently talking about um, as I finish my uh, DMP in pediatric care is um, looking at what the population is going to experience. Talking to some of the, your coworkers um, since this has started, what's their feeling like? There's a lot of fear. You know, it's interesting. There, everyone's been memeing about it. I love yeah. it. But one of my favorite memes that I've recently seen is how there is um, – uh, that Titanic scene where the um, the band is standing at the the corner playing. like playing as the ship is going down, and that's kind of how nurses feel right now. They feel like they are headed to work 
without the support that they need from the government uh, because the slow response to be prepared and yet we're ready to charge you know there's a the connecticut governor just asked retired nurses to come back that's right that's how they foresee so much need of all these emergency workers on the front line and it's just really sad because the doctors and nurses have to diagnose these patients Mm -hmm. so they're putting themselves at risk that's right and there's some people that have been pulled away from the medical arena because they worked with coronavirus patients and they want to keep them in, you know, quarantine mm-hmm. to make sure that when they handled this patient, they didn't get themselves affected. Right. It's a lot of stress. Girl, that, that's why we tape people all the time. Stop trying to buy an M95 mask. Yeah. Look. The masks itself will not protect you from getting it. You're already touching your face. It's going to enter your body. I tried doing that. Uh And when this first started (laughs) a month ago, I went on Amazon. But by then, it was already too late. Yeah. And then they told me, it's not good for you because it's not going to help prevent it. In fact, those are only... Should be used by people who are infected uh-huh. so they don't spread their germs around. Right. And trained on how to use them. Because did yeah. you know that I actually have to go to M90 Fast training called Respiratory Fit Training even to be able to learn how to use them? Now, I love my abuelitas, but what do they know about putting on an M95 mask? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just feel so bad for the medical profession because they're, they're going to be dealing with a lot in the next couple of weeks. Um, but like any good medical profession out there, like, and we saw this with, um, uh, and you know, it's not apples to apples, but the Boston Marathon, you know, after that bomb had went off, everyone ran away, but nurses and doctors, they ran forward because that's just who we are. And we and love what, what we do. do. Yeah. And that's what you do. What um, website should people go visit if they want to learn more about Corona? Yeah, so definitely um, pay attention to the CDC. CDC.gov. That's right. Um, the World Health Organization, which okay. is who.org for org. Um, and then stay in tune to your local government. So I'm here in D.C. It's, you know, um, DC.gov. Yep. Um, and they definitely will have a page, but pay attention to your local city's um, page as well as... Um, uh, WebMD, actually, WebMD.com has had a lot of great information. They have improved their services over the last few years, and they provide really accurate information. Stay home, wash your hands, keep distance from others. Yeah, that's right. That's and, why you're on the other side of the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show, Chris. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having and me. And good luck. Appreciate it. You have a good one. Stay home, girl. Eat the caldo. <laughs>